This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. This is Daryl from Pennsylvania. When I'm not busy arguing with a four-year-old, I'm stacking Benjamins. No, Daddy! Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I got a script here somewhere. Here's that comic book. Been looking for a picture of the flying mouse that OG loves. Oh, here it is, here it is. On today's show, we welcome the author of The Money Resolution, Frankie Calkins. Plus, from a Ford Anything, Paula Pant. And from this podcast, OG. Today, we're talking free perks. Are they worth the price of paying for a subscription like Amazon Prime? Big news in our Friday FinTech segment. Subscription cost-cutting app Trim has just purchased Debitize, a company that allowed you to treat your credit card like a debit card. What's going on with this marriage? We'll talk to Trim founder and CEO Thomas Smythe. And that's not all. We'll also magnify someone's money situation and help them solve it. Plus, we're going to wash it all down with some of my amazing trivia. And now, the guy who can't find his glasses when they're sitting on top of his cranium... Joe Saul C.I. You're right up there, Joe. That is so unbelievably true. I can't believe uh, how often that happens. Hey, everybody, but I do remember this. I remember it's Friday, or Friday, as they say, Mr. Guy sitting across the table from me, OG. That's what I put on all my Instagram posts. Friday. Doesn't matter what day it is. It doesn't <laughs> You just confuse them on a random Tuesday. That's right. Yes. It's always Friday somewhere. And a person who's confused just because I believe she's been traveling from Afford Anything on my dad's shortwave. It's my good friend, Paula Pant. 
I am so confused. I had my first like legitimate senior moment the other day where I was cleaning and I was wiping off my dry erase board while simultaneously trying to clean the countertops. And I sprayed, you know, that dry erase board, like eraser spray. Yeah. I sprayed that all over the countertops. Like I, I just used it as cleaning agent, which just only made everything stickier and worse. And then I couldn't figure out what was wrong. It, yeah, it was a disaster. That's a bad day. It was. It was. Yes. So on the topic of being confused, I don't even know what cleaning agent I'm using anymore. I should stop <laughs> sniffing them. Just stop using cleaning agents altogether. That's what Doug does. <laughs> and a guy who's probably confused how the heck he got here. It's the author of the new book, The Money Resolution, and our friend who we met in Seattle, Frankie Calkins. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Happy to happy to be here. And, and Paula, I, I just go with the, the magic eraser to clean everything. Countertops, walls, carpet, you name it. Just that's that's the magic thing. I don't know what it's made out of, but it's got magic in front of it. So I'm yeah. on board. Yeah. So what could go wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. So the money resolution, I'm holding it in my hand. I've read this book. You've got a ton of cool tips in here, Frankie. Tell everybody, why did you write this? Yeah. So I kind of did it on accident. I didn't set out to, to write my own book I'd, or self-publish it, but I set a resolution of money in 2018, super vague, of course. Uh, and you know, after spending a year committing to that and, and documenting the whole thing and just a basic iPhone notes app, really, uh, I kind of looked back at the end of the year in December and realized this is a lot of really cool stuff. And you know, I learned a ton and I just thought there's got to be some way that I can share a lot of this information. Cause you know, I started from ground zero, like a lot of millennials and in debt, mainly from from grad school, and so I figured out that you know publishing on through Amazon would would be a really good way to to get this information out there and kind of pay it forward from everything I learned. You've got how many tips in here? Is it straight one hundred? One hundred and one. One hundred. And actually, ah. number one hundred one is pay it forward. Yeah, I forgot. I got it right here. Pay it forward. <laughs> Absolutely, everything from education to navigating holidays and special occasions, to traveling, insurance, making extra money. We're hoping you can help us with subscriptions today. But one subscription, Frankie, we think everybody should have. You know what that is? Uh, Costco. Subscribe to our newsletter, The Stacker. Newsletter. I knew yes. it, The Stacker. Ah, there I, it is. I'm subscribed. I should have known that. Third time's the charm. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash stacker where you'll find that uh, – we're still, man, working on this whole uh, weekly email thing, and uh, we've been cranking them out. However, it hasn't been quite the uh, once a week OG that we hoped that it was, but they're going out regularly. And uh, yeah, I, I really, I still don't understand how this thing works. It's amazing. I can figure out how to get a podcast into the cloud. I cannot figure out how to use our system called ConvertKit to get the stacker to come out on time. Would you like me to show you how? This has just been really funny the last five months, just watching you flail around in the, in the water all by yourself. I know. You but know, if something's I'm really... I'm like standing on the boat with a life raft going, no, no, I know how to do it. But if something's really important, it does go out. We got some cool news coming, by the way, that you want to make sure you're on top of because we've... Well, I, I can't say more about that yet, but we're going to be traveling, number one. Got some guests, if you're in the Detroit area, coming to Detroit. People going elsewhere around the U.S. that we're helping support their mission. StackyBedjamins.com forward slash stacker. This episode is also brought to you by Anchor Trader. For more information on how to become a farmland investor through Anchor Trader, it's so interesting. By the way, visit AcreTrader.com forward slash SB. 
We got a great show today. We got Frankie here with us. We got Paula. We got OG. What could be better? And it's Friday. Let's get the party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. And in our headline, this piece is from MarketWatch, and it is written by Katie Hill. Five insane Amazon Prime perks you probably don't know about. Frankie, do you have Amazon Prime? I do. I think I've had it eight or nine years, honestly. Is it just for you? Is it a automatic subscription and you don't really keep track of if it's worth it or not? Or are you sure it's worth it? I'm sure it's worth it, but I, I do know that over the years it's gone up. I, I think when I first signed up, it was like $39, and I, I think uh, the article said it's up to 120 Is that right? Right, yeah. $119 a yeah. year. $59, yep. by the way, if you're a student. So uh, for people that are students, you get it for a lot less. OG, just to see who's an Amazon Prime member, who's not. You You an Amazon Prime member? Yes. And uh, Paula, how about you? Definitely. Okay. Let me read you just the top of this, and then we'll use this as a jumping off point to talk about subscriptions in general. These benefits are prime. More than 100 million people are Amazon Prime members in the U.S. alone, according to research firm Customer Intelligence Research Partners. Millions of them pay 119 per year for the annual membership or 59 if they're students so they can get access to free two-day shipping for myriad items. That's typically the big selling point for members, as well as streaming movies and TV shows and a library of digital music. Amazon promised a couple weeks ago that it would sweeten the deal by expanding its free one-day shipping offer to Prime members in the future. That wasn't clear about when this would happen. We're currently working on evolving our Prime free two-day shipping program to be a free one-day shipping program, Chief Financial Officer Brian Olsovsky said in a conference call. In response to an analyst question, he added, we've been offering obviously faster than two-day shipping for Prime members for years, one day, same day, even down to two-hour delivery for Prime Now. So we're going to continue to offer same day and Prime Now morphing into or evolving into a free one-day offer, he said. And then they talk about some of the perks that also make it a great deal. Besides, if you're a shopper, they talk about free storage for your photos and your friends' photos, hundreds of dollars in cash back. This one requires Prime members to get the Amazon Prime Rewards Visa Signature Card, which gives you 5% cash back on Amazon and Whole Foods purchases, Uh, free books, magazines, comics, and game streaming that you get uh, new books before they're available to the public account credits that you can use for cool stuff when you don't rush to ship something and even more. Let's let's Paula start with you. Have you ever done the math on how much money you save with your prime membership on specifically how much I save? No, but I mean, if you, if you think about it, 120 a year, that's $10 a month. So do I order enough items from Amazon every month that I would more likely pay I would likely pay more than $10 in shipping. Yeah, I'm sure. For example, this morning I had to order more dry erase board eraser after I used up all of it on the countertops. (laughs) (laughs) You got to tell that story sometime. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds horrible. Frankie, when you look at this, uh, you know, Paula said she gets enough stuff to make it worth it. They actually do that math in here somewhere. I'm scrolling, looking for it. 
I think the math was related to the credit card, wasn't it? No, I thought there was... The math was also related to the average amount that a person spends. It was like $600 if you're not a Prime member, but $1,400 if you are. There it is. It says if you... That's about how much the average person spends. If you order 15 times a year and typically order less than $25 of eligible items each time, which is the threshold for free shipping, it pays for itself. And, And Frankie, I think a lot of times... I mean, I look at my expenses... I'm usually buying more than $25 at a time. So the free shipping doesn't matter as much as I think it does. Yeah, that's true. You know, there's that that benefit, though, that, you know, you can get it fast and cheap. And, you know, I was looking today at my account and I, I actually racked up $1,800 uh, last year on, I think, something like 25 purchases for Amazon. So when you look at the shipping, yeah, some of the orders were 50, 60, 75 might have been free anyway, but some of them were, you know, a dozen, $15, $20, and they were just things that I needed fast and, and quick. So on shipping alone, you think that it was worth the price without talking about the extras? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. And, and then, of course, you throw in the extras and I, I think it's kind of a no brainer. Oh, gee, let's go into some of those extras. How many of these free extras with your Amazon Prime membership do you use? Actually, a couple of them. Um, I don't know why or when, but at some point in time, I got the Amazon credit card and that's the default payment thing. And you get 5% back on, you know, like on uh, statement credit. So that's pretty cool, I guess. 5% off. And then um, my kids use Twitch like crazy. So the fact that they get Twitch Prime or whatever the hell that is, I don't know how much it would cost otherwise. And I have used some of the books and magazines, although it's kind of hard to figure out, I remember. So I kind of gave up on that. But I didn't know about the photo storage, so kind of interested. Yeah, Paula, how many many of these do you use? In terms of the perks, almost none. I purely use it for shipping and that's all. That's it. And you still think you get your money's worth. You order totally. You, you absolutely. You, you order magic marker juice for 20 dollar <laughs> yeah. less increments. I do. And I'll tell you, there are definitely times on other websites where I don't have free shipping and those other websites have a, a minimum where I will figure out more things to put in my cart. Like for example, if I'm on target.com, Target ships for free with I believe it's about a $35 order. I will figure out extra things to put in the cart so that I can get to that $35 threshold. Mm. And so the fact that I can go to Amazon and order something and not worry about whether or not I've hit that threshold and not have to artificially buy more stuff in order to get the free shipping, which is economically irrational anyway, but I do it. Um, <laughs> I, that makes it worth it as well. That's That, by the way, is a hack that I resisted for a long time because I didn't understand it. The Target red card which I always thought they were offering me a credit card every time, you know, you go up to buy your stuff and they're like, hey, you want our Target? No, I don't want your store card. You kidding me? Mm-hmm. I know all about that. Then when I found out it was a debit card and you get money back, I don't think there's any lose there, is there? Is there a downside to getting the Target debit card besides the Russians get your information faster? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that there is. And to make your life a little bit more complicated, but also give you big, bigger savings at Target, if you download the app and then when you walk into the store, if you use the little cartwheel the device, cartwheel thingy, app, yeah, 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 that also adds some some more pennies to your pocket. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. And we when we discovered that also, let's talk about subscriptions in general. I want to widen this discussion because you know we're going to talk to Thomas Smythe a little bit later in the show from Trim, and they go you know go through all of your subscriptions. You give them permission, they go through your subscriptions and tell you what you have, and a lot of time. 
I had them go through mine. There were a couple things on there I was a little surprised by. When is a subscription not worth it, Frankie? Yeah, well, I think it really comes down to understanding the benefits, right? Going back to the article. So it's not worth it when you don't understand what you're getting out of it. So, you know, some subscriptions are really straightforward and you know what you're getting with with Netflix, for example. But, you know, these memberships like Amazon, you got to really dig into it and read the fine print and see what else are you getting out of it that adds value and specifically adds value to your life and things that you're going to use. So subscriptions that are important to you? I don't have many subscriptions, honestly. I, I like a lot of the entertainment stuff. So for me personally, I, I go with Netflix. I have Spotify. Um, and those are super affordable. And, and I feel like I get a lot of value out of that. So for me, those those ones make a lot of sense. Otherwise, I don't add a lot because they can be hard to track. And then they can really add up. Um, you, you might not realize you're still getting charged for a subscription for something you signed up for, let's say, a year ago. Where do you see people, OG, losing a lot of money on subscriptions? Me personally? Coffee. <laughs> Do you, well, have, no, a, do you have a coffee we, subscription? We, yeah, I was. I just wanted to try it for a while, and of course, for a while, turned into whatever two years or something. But we were habitually behind, meaning we were drinking coffee more than it, they were shipping it. So finally, we just said, "Screw it, we're going to go to Costco and get a bag of coffee." And that lasted us so long, and it was actually pretty good too. That that we have now piles of this other subscription coffee. That it's like, okay, I should probably cancel this. And P.S. the Costco coffee was cheaper. We're there all the time anyway. I find it interesting when you uncover things that you forgot you had. There was a job that I applied to. It's kind of a long story, but to do it, you had to subscribe to this website. It sounds really silly, but that's how you had to do it. Mm-hmm. In any event, it was, it's, you know, whatever, five bucks a month. And here I am six months removed from this application thing, and I'm still getting hit the $5 a month. And it comes out of PayPal because that's the thing they took and that was easy and I don't really check PayPal that much. So whatever. And and I just, I'm wondering how many of those things are in our lives and in other people's too, you know, the Netflix, Hulu, Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, iTunes, cloud storage, Xbox, you know, all these things have, oh, it's only 50 bucks or it's only 20 bucks. Yeah. Man, it's a lot of money. No, yeah, I think magazines, it? magazines is another one where that's one that I forgot about until I saw a charge for, you know, $25. And I realized I haven't gotten that magazine in the last year. So it was actually going to an old address. So oh, <laughs> that's even worse. It's right? one of those that just sneaks by. Yeah. And I didn't even get yeah. the benefit of the magazine. Yeah. yeah. All the privilege of paying, none of the privilege of reading it. Right? Yep. Paula, some of the most egregious subscriptions that you see. Well, I don't know about egregious ones. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking through all of the subscriptions that I have. I pay for upgraded Dropbox, upgraded iCloud. I have upgraded storage on Google. So I I guess I pay a lot of money for additional data storage. Do you start thinking about like Marie Kondo there? Like if you just went through and cleaned it out, you'd save a bunch of money? I don't think so, no. And in fact, I think the opposite. The way that I feel about it is if I were to lose all of my data... And somebody then came to me and said, if you pay X amount of money, you could have all of that information back. Would I say yes? And of course, yeah, the answer would be an unequivocal yes. So that's how I think about those purchases. You know, there's some other subscriptions that that I'm sure, Paula, you may have. And I don't think of them in terms of money. I think of them in terms of time, which translates to money. And that's subscribing to somebody's blog or subscribing to some website or some, but man, I finally had to use that unroll.me service. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I need to do it again because I still have a bunch of new subscriptions that are 
that are coming in. I feel like I'm always being asked to subscribe to something that goes to my email. Yeah, I have a, a separate email address that's specifically for that. That's that's the one you always send me to. Gets to my normal email, which is you know, if I want it. That's the thing is like if I want to see that thing, then it's welcome in my inbox, and if I don't want to see it, then it's unwelcome. So it might not be the volume of stuff in my inbox that's the problem. It might simply be the value that it offers in my life at that point. Well, and that's actually a good question then. So you're saying you might keep a subscription around because even though it's not worth it today, it might be worth it in the future. No, I'm well, I mean, if it's a free subscription, like a subscription to a blog or something, then I can always unsubscribe and re-sign up again at some point down the road when I need or want that information. Is yeah, that, was I, I that your question? Email, I was going to say email is a really good example of that as, you know, cluttering up the inbox. But, you know, I have gone through and made a diligent effort to unsubscribe from, you know, things that I, I just don't need. But there are certain things that I stay subscribed to, even though I'm not in the market for that thing now, just because I know when I am in the market for that thing, being on an email list usually does provide some perks and some benefits and some discounts when you're looking to make, you know, for example, a big purchase. Yeah. And I always think about that, except for the time, Frankie, when I'm actually buying that thing. And then I was, I was just doing that a couple of days ago. I bought something and then I, I got an email from them like two days later and I went, oh, I always just automatically delete their email. And then, yeah, didn't even, didn't even. I have a subscription to a service that goes through my emails for me to filter out the emails that I don't want to read. <laughs> Instead of just unsubscribing. Well, no, it does that too. It's like the unroll me but less, less work on my end. Yeah. Is that uh, that? But it's what's just what's that service called? Is that SaneBox? <laughs> SaneBox. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sane. S-A-N-E. Yeah. A lot of people swear by that. They really like it. I you like it. it? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I've used it for years. Yeah. Yep. It's really cool. Let's talk about another type of perk before we close this topic, which is credit cards. You know, on one end, we've got Dave Ramsey talking about not using credit cards at all. Forget the rewards, the little carrots they hang out there. But generally, rewards aren't all these these places offer. Anybody use credit cards for other perks besides the mm-hmm. ability to use somebody else's money or the cashback reward? Frankie? Yeah, I, I do, actually. And it's mainly for travel. You know, you get those sign-up perks. I think I missed the big 100,000.1 through the Chase Sapphire Reserve, but... I still took advantage of that at 50,000 and going through all the benefits. The one that really caught my eye was that priority pass membership that you get. So at airports, you get access to um, at select airports, you get access to select lounges. So you know, traveling is uh, can be kind of miserable. It's not my favorite thing to do in the world and, and, and pretty stressful. But uh, that lounge has actually made a, a really big difference. And just being able to relax and have food and drinks that are provided and even just a clean bathroom, something as simple as that, I think makes a big difference. So that that is one that I subscribe to and uh, use often. Paula, how about you? One thing that I recently used my credit card for was the insurance that my credit card offers on a rental car. So when I rented a car, I knew that, uh, which I, I did in Austin while I was there just for the final week. So I rented a car for a week and I knew with confidence that I could waive the insurance that the car rental company was offering because my particular credit card and you should, people listening should check the details of their credit card. I was just about to go there. Yeah, exactly. Every credit card has different policies, different stipulations. So I actually went through and I read the fine print and uh, that particular credit card that I have, which is the American Airlines A Advantage executive card, they have fantastic coverage on rental cars. Yeah, that's good stuff. I've, I actually, Paula, use the same card and always rent my cars using that, that same card. 
OG, how about you? Of course, I use the uh, the benefits, travel benefits. Uh, Paula mentioned insurance, but there's also insurance that you can use on trip cancellation things. Some card providers have benefits if you get stuck in an airport, you know, to help pay for a hotel bill. I think it's really important, though, as you use that as the excuse to have a credit card to recognize that, number one, you could forget about it. So don't let that be the deciding factor. Proof positive on New Year's Eve, I actually called Chase and went, how do I spend my 300 bucks? Because you get $300 travel credit. Like what quality? I didn't have, I had like hours to spare to use my 300 bucks for 2018. I just forgot about it, you know? And um, same thing with other cards that allow, you know, baggage reimbursements and that sort of thing. Sometimes you have to apply for it. So if you're going to use those extra things, or if you're going to have those extra things, I think it's a really good idea to maybe have an inventory of them or keep them on a spreadsheet. I know people do that just so they can kind of check off all the boxes to make sure they're utilizing those things to their fullest. Yeah, we have a second airline credit card and that one comes with $100 anywhere inside the U.S. perk for somebody to, to fly with you. Not as good as the Southwest Companion Pass, but because I was in Texas a lot, I had one airline I could use, which was American. So this gave me second person flies once a year for 100 bucks. You know, it's funny, mysteriously, the two years I've had that card, they've never sent it to me. If you call them and ask, they're like, oh yeah, certainly. And they send it out immediately, but they Mm -hmm. always quote, forget to send me the second person travels anywhere in the U.S. for a hundred bucks. So I think it's important to know exactly what you're, what you're dealing with. Paula, was that you? Yeah. On a related note, uh, in terms of credit cards that will quote unquote forget to send you things. I also have the United Mileage Plus card and that card includes two free passes or two included passes, I should say, included with your annual fee to a United lounges, airport lounges. And it used to be, I've had this card for years, I mean, probably 10 years or so at this point. It used to be that they would mail you these passes every year at your card member anniversary. They've recently switched so that now you have to download the app and then inside of the app is where the passes are held, (laughs) which I think saves, I'm sure it saves them money in terms of postage and mailing and, and all of that. But it also has the effect that a person might easily just not notice yeah. that they haven't yeah. gotten their card. Yeah. I think that'll put a cap on this one. Let's do a big takeaway, not just about Amazon Prime or credit cards, about subscriptions in general. OG? I think you got to do an inventory and figure out who's getting your money and maybe just maybe go through that a little bit tighter. Paula? It's valuable if you're using it and it's not if you're not. And Frankie is our guest. You've got the last word, man. Yeah, no, I'll echo those sentiments there. It's it's really just keep track, right? Don't get hit with uh, a subscription you you don't realize you didn't have. And, and also keep track of what the benefits are with each of the subscriptions. And like OG said, maybe have an inventory and, you know, go back and review that occasionally and make sure you're taking advantage, full advantage of it. This is the neat thing about being right in the middle of the personal finance space. We heard about debitize going away as it happened. And what was also interesting here, it's one of the first deals where we knew the people on both ends. Of course, Laurent Amrani from Debitize uh, has been on the show a few times. Thomas Smythe has been on the show a couple times from Trim. 
When Trim purchased Debitize, we immediately reached out to Thomas, said, hey, can you come on the show and talk about what this means? Because as of right now, if you're somebody who likes Debitize, it's gone away. So for those of you who are new to this, let me tell you what's happened. Number one, on Fridays, we have a Friday FinTech segment where we talk about some of the cool ideas in FinTech that can affect your wallet. Debitize was one of those ideas. We liked it because you could use your credit card like it was a debit card, meaning you'd swipe your credit card, Debitize would take the money, put it in an account, and then they pay your bill at the optimal time. So you didn't have to worry about the bill getting paid, and you could then participate in things like credit card reward points and building your credit with credit cards. Obviously, for some of you, like me in the early days, that's still kind of dangerous, so you might not want to do it. But if you're just starting to put on the training wheels and starting to use credit cards, it's a nice backstop. Well, now that's gone. Is it gone forever? Here to answer, coming down to the basement from Trim, let's say hello to Thomas Smythe. I'm so happy we're getting this directly from the horse's mouth. News out just in the last couple of weeks that uh, Debitize, now purchased by our friends over at Trim, and here with us, the founder and CEO of Trim, Thomas Smythe. How are you, man? Great. Thank you for having me back. This is so fun to catch you all up. And it's funny how quickly news travels. I think you were one of the first people to email me after we announced this acquisition, actually. (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, it's one of the few transactions I've seen, Thomas, where I know people on both sides. Laurent's been on the show a couple times. You've been on the show a couple times. A couple guys we really like, a couple companies we really like. So tell me how this happened. How did you and Laurent get together and start talking about Debitize moving into Trim? Yeah, well, I've known Laurent for a long time and have always been impressed by what they've been building at Debitize. I think what they've come up with is clearly a huge opportunity for so many people, both those in credit card debt and people who don't have credit card debt, who just want to increase their credit scores or have an easier way of making their credit card payments. And anytime you see product market fit, like that, you've got to look at it and say, hey, is this something that we should try to build internally or something that we should try to acquire, right? Or work with people who already have been in at the ground level, talking to customers, understanding the pain points and work with those folks to join forces, right? And to and, and ultimately the latter made a lot more sense for us. And Liran is just like a wealth of knowledge and expertise on this topic. So looking back over the past few years, we've just kept coming across them in conversations, kept engaging with them. And it was really one of these relationships that over time resulted in a transaction and resulted in the ability to work together. So that's been a delight for me. Let's talk about structurally how this happened. I know that at least I think, and fact check me on any of this, Thomas, I believe Debitize stopped operating the way that they were immediately and uh, people using the service now are no longer signed up with Debitize, true? True. Sadly, we couldn't do 100% porting over. We're going to have to, for a variety of complicated reasons I won't get into, we're going to have to do a little bit of a one-two step here. But what we are working on and what we want to bring to market basically as quickly as possible 
is a similar sort of solution that helps the same customers and many, many more and trim customers as well access this whole suite of automated tools to run their financial lives and help themselves to become more financially healthy. So you project it as being debitized, but mixed in with some other features? Exactly. So the key for us, of course, is folding this into our existing suite of products and making sure that people understand, hey, when I go to Trim, I'm able to get the most holistic solution for my financial health to organize my cash flows, to figure out how much to put in my high yield savings account, how much to dedicate toward my credit card debt, and ultimately where the heck the rest of the money is going, right? And we think that by bringing all of this under one roof, that's what we hear over and over from customers is that they don't want to have like 14 different apps on their phone all like pulling random amounts of money out of their checking account. You know, yeah. people want a streamlined solution that they can understand. And so I think that's exactly what we're trying to build here is something that people can make sense of that is simple and that reduces the cognitive load that you have when you look at your money rather than increasing it. About how long do you think it's going to take before people see debitized like features at Trim? I don't want to make any promises because I hope that we will beat them, right? But as as soon as possible, we are like totally focused internally on building the best possible product for our users. And uh, I, <laughs> yeah, ASAP is, is the answer. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and that's the specificity I was looking for, Thomas. Exactly. ASAP. ASAP. When you look at the landscape here of companies and some of the competition that you see on the fintech landscape, how does this acquisition by Trim fit in with you guys and competing? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because you're going to start to see a wave of consolidation in the space over the next 12 to 18 months. And so I think our partnership with Debitize, our joining forces with them, is the first of many. Hopefully, we will be involved in a few more. I would love that to happen. But in general, you're just going to see a lot of M&A activity in the space going forward because there's been such a sort of branching out, right? Because so many little flowers have bloomed and people have built some really cool stuff. Now it's starting to look like, all right, we see where the future is. We see where the puck is headed. Now there's a question of getting to scale and building a business model behind it, and then figuring out who's going to win the market, right? Who's going to be the biggest? Who's going to like offer the most services at the best possible quality at the lowest possible price? And from our perspective, it's not going to be a world where one company builds all this stuff themselves. It's going to be, hey, a few of these folks are able to join forces and be more than the sum of their parts, right? And so as we look around in the world, you know, obviously we, we have pretty we think, competitive vantage point. And so we're always looking for ways to accelerate our growth and get ahead. And uh, if, if, Yeah, for anybody yeah. who's listening to this and you know, you're running a fintech company, you got some cool ideas, uh, we'd love to talk to you and we'd love to, to keep an eye on what you're doing. And ultimately, if it makes sense for both sides, then the opportunity to work together and build a bigger team around a shared goal is really, really exciting to us. And it sounds like it's a race. It is like, a, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? But it is definitely a race. It is definitely a race. And we are 
starting to see the pack shake out. You know, when you start off at the starting line, it's like you can't really tell who the fast ones are. You can't really tell who's ahead. And and we're starting to see, hey, there are definitely some some runners here that are getting out in front. So we're there, we like to think. Uh, you can, I'm sure you know a few others who are clearly edging ahead. And I think that distance, that gap is going to increase more and more as we work through this marathon. As you race, though, obviously that means adding people, obviously adding companies like Debitize, adding different services. It's got to be difficult doing that, though, Thomas, and not diluting your core mission. Well, I think that's a really good point because one of the key factors that made us want to work with Liran and with Debitize is that we shared the same set of values and we had the same goals. I totally agree. I think that the times when partnerships don't work are when you don't have a shared set of goals and values and a shared focus. So I think of it as, hey, if you take two laser beams and you shine them at the same target, then you're, you're, the target's twice as illuminated. But if you take two, three laser beams and you're, you're shining them all over at different things, you know, <laughs> that doesn't work. Yeah. So that, I, th- I think what you're putting your finger on is the difference between a successful uh, acquisition and an unsuccessful one. Yeah. And I know that it's also got to be difficult. I mean, adding on new pieces and trying to maintain quality control for what you do now. Totally. And the advantage, I guess, there is that as we get bigger, we just have more resources to work with and a larger engineering team and, you know, more technical expertise and so forth. So I think there are some advantages in terms of quality control that come with scale just because there are more resources to dedicate against that versus, you know, if you're flying solo in a garage, it's kind of as, as trim was on day one, right? You're kind of like, well, I'm trying to get anything to work versus where we are three and a half years in. Like it's really got to work for us to ship it to our users. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, we look forward to seeing uh debitize reemerge as part of trim. So if I was the first person to email you, I've got to be the first person that you email back when this comes back so we can have you back on. Deal? Absolutely. Sounds like a deal. (laughs) Thomas, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes and talking to us about how this is all going down. Totally. Thanks, Joe. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and happy Pack Rat Day. You know... Maybe a spring cleaning would do wonders for this basement. Seriously, a flow bee? A flow bee. Joe's mom's sock collection? That's dis- disgusting. Time for some of this stuff to go. But that also brings up a great trivia question for the gang. According to the American Moving and Storage Association, God, there's an association for everything, the average cost of an in-state move, four movers at 200 bucks an hour, is about $2,300. How much do they estimate the average cost is of a 1,225-mile interstate household move? I'll be back with the answer in just a moment. All right, we explained the very complicated rules to this game to Frankie backstage. Frankie, you got it? I got it. That that was a lot of numbers. I'm still processing. It's a lot. It's a lot of numbers. (laughs) If a train leaves Cleveland, right. Right. (laughs) uh, You are playing on behalf of Len. OG, what's our score today? It is uh, regretfully six to six to three. So Len has pulled into a first place tie. Yes. 
it's still under review by the competition committee. <laughs> but um, as of this moment, until the judges rule their final verdict, it is six to six to three. Paula, we're very disappointed on the guests who have played for you lately. Wow. Yeah, I'm really trailing behind. I know. But the good news is that means you get to go first. Well, you get to decide first if you want to go first in the middle or last because you're in third place. Which one would you like on this particular question? After much contemplation, I have decided that I would like to get last. (laughs) Much contemplation. Frankie, you want to go in the middle or first? I will go in the middle. Huh, that's weird. So, OG, that means you, sir, have the honor going first. Okay. So what's the average cost of a move across country 1,250 miles with a family? 1,225 miles. Oh, 25 miles. That's important (laughs) distinction. Yes. Um, And by the way, something else that uh, Doug did not share here, it's uh, 7,400 pounds of stuff they're carrying. In case that, okay. uh, in case you yeah. needed more numbers, Frankie, more numbers, more numbers. Right. So I can, I can tell you how much it cost us to move. We moved about five years ago. So this is five or six years ago now. So this is still fairly recent. Um, we moved from Michigan to Dallas, which I don't know the exact mileage, but it feels like about 1200 miles, give or take seems about right. Maybe nine or 900 or a thousand, but, um, and we had a, you know, four people in the family. So we had a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to say to err on the side of caution, I'm going to say that the average cost now is $7,777. $7,777 for OG. Uh, Frankie, that means you get to go next. What do you think? Is that high, low? Well, he said conservatively, so I'm assuming it could be low. So we'll just we'll throw a dart at this one. I have not personally moved cross country. Uh, I moved a couple states, but I packed everything I could fit in my car and, and drove down there, and that was very affordable. So this sounds like a, a totally different scenario. So the dart I'm going to throw, I'm going to say $9,000 flat. $9,000 for Frankie slash Len. And you know what that means, Paula? Ooh, well, I am going to, huh, closest without going over. So I guess if I believe that it is anywhere lower than 7,777, then I suppose the rational choice would be to guess $1, wouldn't it? But but uh, you've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> Who's done the rational thing? So I will say, I guess I'll say $6,000. $6,000. All right. Well, those are our answers. And like any uh, good podcast or uh, trivia show, we're going to make you wait. We'll be right back to tell you what the answer is. Well, big thanks to Acre Trader for supporting Stacky Benjamins. You know, Acre Trader is an investment platform that makes it easy for you to own, of all things, shares of farmland. You can earn a passive income and you can also start with as little as a thousand bucks. And I know for a lot of people, your ears just perked up because you've never heard of something like this. I hadn't either. And then as I dug in, I learned a lot of stuff that I liked, which is why we're working with them now on the show. Here's the thing about farmland. As a guy who grew up in uh, Southwest Michigan and worked in cornfields all the way through high school and partly in college, I get the allure of farmland because... And this is a good thing. It's pretty boring. 
And the nice thing about it is you get a consistent income. Now, if you're like me, when you first hear those words, you think, wait a minute, farming sounds pretty volatile to me, Joe. Remember, you're not farming. You're just the landlord. So before the crops go in every year, the farmer pays the rent. You end up then getting a nice income stream based on the rent on that field. Everything else that happens in regard to managing that property, Acre Traders Professionals take care of for you. What I like about them is they aim to provide transparency, security, and also let you know about liquidity. They handle all the aspects of administration like insurance, uh, accounting to working with local farmers, improving the soil sustainability so this field lasts for a long time. If you look into farmland, what you're going to find is that there's this super attractive historical combined returns and they've outperformed most other asset classes. Farmland also, by the way, comes with historically low volatility. And here's the best thing, almost no correlation to the stock market. It works as a nice hedge against inflation and makes it this appealing tangible asset to diversify your portfolio. The good news is you can invest in under five minutes, unlike other investment options in farmland. Didn't know there were others until I just read that. Acre Trader lets you buy shares of land directly, starting with as little as $1,000. Now, here's the thing. You have to be an accredited investor. That's for a different show, but go look that up. You can, however, even if you're not an accredited investor, begin to get an education about farmland and how it works. And here's how you get there. Visit acretrader.com forward slash SB to tell them we sent you. That's acretrader.com forward slash SB for more. Thanks to them for supporting Stacking Benjamins. So, oh, gee, you've got uh, 7777. Feeling good about that number? I do. Yep. Feel really good. Frankie, 9,000. You got the high side. How you feel in there? I'm a little nervous. That's, that's high, but uh, we'll see. Paula, you said forget about a dollar. I'm going 6,000. What are you thinking? I'm thinking this is going to be the episode in which I pull from third, from having three wins to having four wins. <laughs> Let's see. And, and what happens What happens if it's below her guess? Then Do we all share a third of a point? Nobody wins. Yeah. Okay. We've had, I think, two episodes so far this year where that's happened. Let's Man, I really should have guessed a dollar. <laughs> well, well, let's see. What if it's 11,000? Frankie might have you. Here we go. Uh, Doug, what's our answer? Hey there, trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And where is the, where's that answer? I had it right here. It's, well, there's a pizza box. I don't know, the plastic flamingo. Why would it be there, Doug? I already checked the eight track stack. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Crisis averted. Here it is. Right where I left it, underneath the rules for Ticket to Ride. Okay, where was I? Oh, oh, that's right. Your Pack Rat Day trivia answer. Check this question out. While an in-state move costs about $2,300 for a family on average, how much is the average 1,225-mile interstate move? The answer, according to the American Moving and Storage Association, you can expect to pay, on average, $4,300 for that move. That move, uh, by the way, is for about 7,400 pounds of stuff, which is probably about how much Joe's mom's Garth Brooks record collection alone weighs. Time to back that truck up, fellas. See ya. What? Oh, dude. That I can't. is not an accurate number. I can't. Uh, I am 
Joe should have guessed a dollar. I can't believe you didn't guess a dollar. I know, right? Lesson learned. Yeah, that is uh, directly OG from the American Moving and Storage Association. I know. They are lying. Yeah, my move, which I don't, either that or you and I got ripped off, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Could been. One or or the other, because, yeah, that sounds like a nice sum of money that I would have liked to have paid to move across country. Prefer the 4,000 over the 8,000. Well, and I wouldn't be I actually feel like it was more than 7,000. I, I mean, you I can't had... remember the exact number, but I think, I think we were probably closer to nine, frankly. Were you? Yeah. I think I was I under think. that. I, th- I can't I th- remember. I think I was, I was under that, but I remember it was a lot and I was very upset with it. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that I wanted to be like Frankie where I just packed my car full of stuff and, and went. That's the way to go. That is the way to go. That is. T- I think uh, it was maybe $250 in gas to get down to California. How much stuff, Paula, did you take with you when you were lived in uh, Austin for what, four to six weeks there? Oh, when I lived in Austin, I just took one suitcase. So that was easy. But I was only there for five weeks. So I didn't have to like set up a home. But uh, still- when I moved from Atlanta to Nevada, uh-huh. we rented big U-Haul truck and packed up all of our own stuff, loaded it into the truck, drove it across country, unpacked it all, moved it in. So we offset some of the cost by doing a lot of the work ourselves, but I would not do that again. I would just pay to have somebody else, you know, <laughs> I know. do that. I remember my first couple moves just moving across town and I'm offering my buddies pizza and beer. And then I had somebody, I remember, offer me pizza and beer a little bit later in life. And I'm like, no, I'm not falling for that. I am not lifting your truck for a Bud Light. That is, that is, that is not going to happen. No, thank you. Hey, what about two Bud Lights? That's right. Okay, now I'm in. <laughs> now I'm in. Hey, let's take out the magnifying glass, guys, and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. When you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, you know what you find out, Frankie? You find out that those financial products you use every day from your brick and mortar bank, not that great. Over 92% of the products available online, all ranked at Magnify Money. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money for more. And today, we're going to magnify uh, Trent's money issue. Say hi, Trent. Hi, guys. My name's Trent, and I've started listening to you guys in the last few months or so. And recently, I've been blessed with the opportunity to play as a professional athlete. But with that comes a very volatile job market. And I know later on in my career, I will not be making as much money as I am now. I am currently 23 and looking for a financial advisor. And the two that I've mostly been talking to, the biggest difference is their opinion on whole life insurance. And I just wanted to see if I could get your guys' input on whether or not that would be worth it. Um, I've done some research on my own. Some saying it's worth it when you're younger. Some saying it's a complete ripoff. So I would just like some extra opinions on it. And not that I'm really learning to learn anything from this, but I'm just here for the dad jokes. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the question, Trent. And uh, congratulations on the pro career. Uh, let's make him a pro when it comes to his, uh, financial situation. Frankie, you actually write about this in your book a little bit. Yeah, I do. I talk about term life insurance specifically, and I know he mentioned uh, whole life insurance there. Well, first of all, I wanted to say that that's really cool that he's seeking out financial ad- advisors on this and he, plural, it sounded like. So good for him on doing that and comparing and asking questions when he, when he's just not sure. So 
Yeah, I think absolutely. I, I think the funny thing about insurance is, you know, we're willing to pay for pet insurance, cell phone insurance, uh, speaking of moving, you know, insurance on the U-Haul and everything else. Yet when it comes to life insurance, we're not we're not willing to pay as often as, as we probably should. So I don't know if it's because it's a topic we don't like to think about or, or maybe it's because you yourself don't actually benefit from from that insurance policy. Right. Uh, it's going to go to someone else. But absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He should have it and, and smart to be thinking about it now when he's he's young and healthy. What do you think about whole life insurance? Any thoughts on that front? Yeah, well, I, I don't know why the why so many people think it's it's a scam is the term you often hear. But I will say that it's complicated from afar as, as I was kind of researching and debating between that and term. Term made a lot more sense to keep your costs down in that regard. And then, you know, what I think I heard Dave Ramsey say even once was invest the rest. So term life insurance is, is very affordable, especially when you're young and you can get a 10, 15, 20, 30 year policy. And it's just a lot less complicated from from what I've seen. Yeah, well, well, I totally agree with you. I'm going to disagree with Dave Ramsey there only because of the fact Dave Ramsey says invest the rest. And and uh, what I know watching the other side is nobody ever flipping does. If you did, mm -hmm. that would be something totally different. But Paula, whole life insurance, what are you thinking? I am not a fan of whole life, but I also think that that's not actually the the question that we should be addressing here. Listening to the question that he asked, he said he's spoken to multiple financial advisors, two in particular, who are the leading candidates, and their stance on whole life is the major differentiating factor between them. What I hear as the unstated question is, which financial advisor should I choose? And so the first thing that I would ask is, number one, do each one of them have a fiduciary duty to you at all times? And and then number two, more broadly, I think what matters is not what stance they take on particular issues. Uh, that matters less than thinking about how to think, right? How do they exercise judgment? How, assuming that they are both fiduciaries, how sound is their thinking process? Because choosing who your, your coach is going to be, choosing who your financial advisor is going to be is itself a skill. And so... A whole life might be the stated question, but I think the unstated question is, how do I choose between these two people? Yeah. And 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 I think that is so important and something people don't think about is if this person's going to be your coach, how do they coach, right? You see, Tiger Woods has always had a golf coach and he switched, he switched from coach to coach to coach. And obviously he's going to look at what their skills are ahead of time. And yet I used to have people come into my office all the time and just go, oh yeah, you seem good. I'm like, are you kidding me? Ask me at least one question, maybe two, versus my ability to tell bad dad jokes. But but let's get back to a stated question, though, Paula. Term versus whole life insurance for uh, this 23-year-old athlete. I very much prefer term life insurance because the purpose of insurance is to safeguard against things that you could not reasonably pay for out of pocket. And so the purpose of life insurance is to... Uh, assuming that you're not using it as a, an estate planning tactic, right? Assuming that you're not using it as a tax sheltering device. The purpose of life insurance is to make sure that people who depend on you have some additional money in the event that you were to pass away. It's essentially it's to make sure that your untimely death does not leave somebody else in the lurch. And there is a limited 
window of your life in which that will be an issue. Beyond that window of your life, you will either have sufficient assets or those other people will no longer economically depend on you. And so for that reason, it makes sense to not insure for something longer than you have to insure for it. Yeah. Uh, OG, uh, what do you think? I have lots of thoughts here. Lots of thoughts. I like what Paula said about being a fiduciary. That's an important thing. I can almost, maybe a little broad brush stroke here, but I can almost suggest that the person who's talking about life insurance is not, and maybe more qualified as a life insurance salesperson and less of a financial planner. And um, frankly, it's almost borders on grotesque that that's the thing that is the biggest issue with with trying to uh, figure out who to hire right now, if that truly is the issue. Paula hit it on the head uh, a couple of times. Uh, life insurance is simply about protecting the things that you can't afford to lose. And I'm going to just take a couple of assumptions. If you're 23, maybe you're married, maybe you're not, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't. But those are the things that life insurance is for. Maybe there's an estate planning need and maybe you're a you know awesome baseball player just signed a four hundred million dollar contract or something like that. Yeah, okay, you're gonna have some estate planning issues, but you don't have those estate planning issues today. You have those estate planning issues in ten years from now after you've gotten all the four hundred million dollars. You know, not on day one, and so it's really uh, disturbing to me as a person in the profession that that's kind of the thing that one of these two people have led with. Now, maybe the other person just kind of laughed it off and said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're not talking about that. But that's really, really upsetting. So I, I fall down firmly on the side of you are very unlikely to need whole life insurance. Anybody who suggests that you do and particularly want you to use it for an accumulation vehicle is really, really, really trying to line their pockets more than yours. And the only way that I can kind of sort of put this a little more gently than that is to say, ask them to tell you how much money they will make if you go through with whatever their recommendation is. You can't control it as an insurance salesperson. You don't get to control what the commission is. But if you look at it and you say, okay, if I buy a $5 million term policy and the premium is $2,000 a year, the agent's commission will be somewhere in the $2,000 range. One time, that's about it, right? Your policy is a 20-year term policy. If you buy a $5 million whole life policy, again, broad brushstrokes here, the agent's commission might be $200,000. So as I look at that, to me, there obviously suggests to be a little bit of an incentive to the tune of, I can pay off my flipping mortgage if this dude signs the papers, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's really super frustrating because I think of what would I do if somebody in your shoes was sitting across from me? I wouldn't talk. We're not talking about life insurance. I talk about making sure your arm doesn't fall off if you're a pitcher. Yeah. Tom Brady, you know, has his throwing arm insured or whatever, yeah. you know, like that's the stuff you have to worry about. Make sure if you're a running back that your knees are insured. <laughs> like, yeah. The whole disability situation. That's what you should spend your money on from an insurance standpoint, not necessarily uh, whole life insurance. And maybe you do need life insurance. Maybe maybe you did get a signing bonus for $50 million and your estate planning attorney goes, dude, you're over the limit. You're going to pay $25 million in estate taxes if you die. 
there's a thousand and one ways to solve that that isn't a whole life policy from an insurance salesperson. Yeah, because so. trend is because trends twenty three. I totally like what Frankie said to kick this off, which was, you know, that one looks really complicated, one looks really simple. At twenty three years old, go with the simple one. But my but, simple. Yeah, but a bigger question I have though, which which he didn't say anything about is, does he even have a family? Does he have any yeah, reason? What, what's the purpose of life insurance? Yeah. Y- yeah, I have it because I want my kids to be able to go to college if I get hit by a bus. I want to make sure that my wife doesn't have to go back to work. If 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 Trent is single and 23 years old and a financial advisor let off with you need to buy a whole life policy. That, that's when you say, oh, you know what? Real quick, I forgot something in my car. I'm going to be right back. <laughs> and you get the, out of there. Never come back. Never, never. And to Paula's point, sometimes these are used as tax shelters when everything else is full. But I'd be more likely to look at that if they were, let's say if Trent called and said, I'm a 30-year-old professional player. I've made oodles of cash. I've yeah, stuffed. Uh, yeah, I've maxed I've, out my, yes. my deferred comp plan in my league's uh, uh, retirement package. I've maxed that out. I've got all these other things set up. Now what do I do? Uh, I still, I'll be honest. I still, we still wouldn't use whole life insurance. I, I mean, that's uh, you'd use a whole uh, life type of insurance. Well, okay, so we might be talking about permanent insurance versus yeah, not, right. but um, uh, but I, I mean, I still wouldn't use it for an accumulation vehicle. Right. It's just, it's just too costly. It's there's, you know, we talk about innovation and different things and like you know investment costs being low and and you know Vanguard this or whatever and that's one area in our industry that has not yet gotten to the low, low, low cost way of doing business. And, and I just come back to the same thing of saying, if the answer is, or if you can ask the question, how much money do you make doing this? You know, if I manage $5 million, I can tell you it's X percent. That's fine. It is what it is, right? You can look at that and say, it's a big number, a little number. But if you compare it across the industry, you'll find that it's a similar number across most firms. Yeah, it's coming. But but then you look at life insurance and you go, well, if I buy a five million dollar life insurance policy and Jack makes two grand or Johnny makes 200 grand, something, something, you know, my spidey sense is tingling there a little bit. And and uh, yeah, get out of the office, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so that the operative question is, do you have a fiduciary duty to me at all times? I actually just hired a financial planner for the for the first time in my life. When I interviewed him, that was a. uh, But you know what's funny, Paul, about mm -hmm. that is I actually I have actually heard people say that. And then I and then I say, but but legally, that can't be true based on the way that you operate your business. And they Mm -hmm. say, oh. Well, yeah, but I really want to be a fiduciary. <laughs> right. Okay. Just so jump really right over want... that line. Yeah. I think it's important to ask the question, but you should also know how to decide whether or not they are, you know, by looking at the background. But anyway, that's we a, actually, we did a, we, we did a story. Is there a website where you can look up if somebody's a fiduciary? No, but you can tell what, where they work or how they, how they do business. The big sin is the duly registered. Because if you're a broker, you can just go, hey, I'm a broker. It is what it is. Real estate broker, right? That's the name of their title. My job is to broker a transaction. I get paid a commission. If I'm a stock broker, I can facilitate a transaction and I broker the exchange. But if I'm duly registered, then I can today be a stock broker, tomorrow be a 
fee-based planner and I don't have to tell you the difference when I'm switching, even if it's in the same meeting and we're talking about fee-based stuff and then I, and then I switch over to this other thing real quick and switch back. I don't, I don't have to tell you. Wow. That is shady. That is some shady. Shady. Yes. So anyway, good luck, Trent. (laughs) 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 Hit it straight or far or long or kick it or do whatever it is that you do, man. But, uh, don't keep up with the Joneses. Hang on to all your money. Thanks for the question, Trent. If you've got a question for the show, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And you too, like Trent, can take home the greatest money show on earth t-shirt, which is uh, just icing on the cake. Really getting to hear Frankie and Paula and OG rant about your question, I think is truly the ice cream in that deal. Uh, that's I got off the soapbox now for a second. Can, I just wait. Can I jump in and say one more thing on, on that yes. question? Nope, you're I, done. <laughs> I want to echo the the recommendation of disability insurance. I when you were talking about you know insure your knees, insure your arm. I have a friend who's a programmer and he's insured his hands. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah. Yada. Yeah. Some money makers, man. Nice job. Yeah. Yeah. Something happens there. What does he do then? Sure. Great stuff. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Actually, Paula, let's start with you. What's going on over there at that crazy Afford Anything podcast? On the Afford Anything podcast, we have two guests I'm very excited about. One is you've heard of the book, The Millionaire Next Door. I have interviewed the author of The Next Millionaire Next Door. So The Millionaire Next Door one of the most famous personal finance books. It was published in 1996. And 22 years later, the author of that book and his daughter decided to co-author the sequel to find out what is the same and what is different about American millionaires 22 years down the road. And so I have uh, the father passed away, but his daughter joins me on the show to discuss that book. And also... I have an interview with David Bach, which if you've ever heard the expression, don't buy lattes, David Bach is the guy who came up with that line. So he joins me on the show to talk about the latte factor. You can find that at the Afford Anything podcast. That is awesome. OG, what's happening uh, with you this weekend, man? Ooh, uh, probably a whole lot of nothing. Kids are out of school next week. So already finishing, finishing projects. Yep. And uh, getting ready to kick off summer. Little baby's birthday is next weekend, so she turns three. That's Care Bear, incredible. And um, so she's got a dance recital next weekend, but this is kind of a down weekend for us. It seems like yesterday the Care Bear was born, doesn't it? Well, it depends on how long you've lived with her, but yep. <laughs> <laughs> she I've enjoyed every moment of being home every day for her, uh, work, you know, working from home. So I think it's pretty awesome. It is. She has personality galore, man. Speaking of personality galore, Frankie, thanks for hanging out with us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. So the money resolution, where can we get it? Yeah, so you can get it now, either the ebook version or the paperback on Amazon. And I actually just finished recording and submitted the audiobook. So it looks like that got approved. That'll probably be up shortly as well on Amazon. I've always heard creating the audiobook is really a lot harder than you think it's gonna be. You know, the easy part was actually recording it. I did all that in one day, but it took me uh, a couple of weeks to edit. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's very involved. I, I didn't realize what I was getting myself into, but, uh, but a lot of fun. That's, that's, I can hear Paula nodding her head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. <laughs> that's why we have Steve right there. 
uh, to have somebody else do it. Uh, and by the way, we will link to the money resolution, 101 ways to save money, make money and get out of debt in one year by Frankie in our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. All right. That's going to do it for today. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we've learned today? Yep. Sure thing, Joe. First, take some advice from Frankie Calkins and the gang. Thinking about buying a subscription? First, use a service like Trim to catalog your current subscriptions. How many are you actually using? Look, right now, set a calendar date to check this twice a year. It's easy to forget that you're paying 10 bucks a month for something you don't use. That's what they're counting on. Second, how about that advice from our roundtable to Trent? Permanent life insurance? Sure, it has uses, but term life insurance is best in most circumstances if you're just trying to cover your family. But the big lesson? Don't talk about selling off Joe's mom's Garth Brooks record collection. Even if you're joking around in the trivia segment, yeah, just don't. Special thanks to Frankie Calkins for joining us. You'll find Frankie's book, The Money Resolution, 101 Ways to Save Money, Make Money, and Get Out of Debt in One Year on Amazon.com. Want to use our link? You'll find it at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash sponsors. Thanks to Thomas Smythe from Trim for stopping by. You'll find more about Trim at asktrim.com. And folks, there's two M's in Trim. Paula Pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com and the Afford Anything podcast. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Wait a minute. Moving guys make 200 bucks an hour? I only pay my lawyer 10 bucks an hour. It's time for me to go apply for a job. So I found this piece very short after show today because I'm just a little curious about this. This is from a couple months ago. Remember when uh, President Trump met with uh, Kim Jong-un in Vietnam? This piece comes to from Reuters around that time. An Australian comedian who impersonates North Korean leader Kim Jong-un said on Monday, authorities were deporting him from Vietnam some 24 hours before uh, the summit took place. 
Uh, the lookalike, who goes by the name Howard X, popped up in Vietnam's capital of Hanoi on Friday along with his partner who impersonates Trump, drawing clouds in media. The two real leaders uh, uh, are supposed to meet. But they kicked him out. People that look like people that look like the leaders. And I started thinking about how people have said that I've looked like different people throughout my life. When I was in high school, I had this real Tom Petty look going, which people have seen me lately <laughs> have no idea how the hell that happened. Then I gained some weight. And when I was a financial planner, I would get, I would get the Garth Brooks. Speaking of Garth Brooks, I get the Garth. Oh, you look like Garth Brooks. And then I lost a bunch of hair. My hair turned white. I don't look like either one of those people anymore, but depending on my age and my weight amount, I had those two comparisons. Frankie, anybody tell you, you look like uh, some star. Yeah. I actually used to get a lot back when I had a, a shaved head, I would cut it myself to save money all through college. And I used to hear Wentworth Miller a lot uh, from the show Prison Break. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so okay. one, once I leaned into it and uh, dressed up as him, you know, full jumpsuit and all for, for Halloween. But uh, yeah, I imagine uh, if I was in prison, I'd be very, very popular because uh, he was very good at escaping. That is so funny. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I, just, I just pulled him up now. Yeah, so when you had the really closely cropped hair, Oh yeah. I had the like size one buzz and yeah. I probably had that look for eight or nine years and, uh, saved a lot of money over the years on haircuts. Like I said, did anybody think you'd escape from prison and try to turn you back in? No, but, uh, I was a, a high school teacher for a while and, uh, even the students noticed that and thought it was, it was pretty funny. So, um, <laughs> also though, when I was teaching at that high school, since I had the, the buzz hair look, I decided to be Eminem for Halloween. Oh, nice. And uh, talk about popular. All the kids ran by in between classes and wanted to get a, a photo uh, with me. So that was I was I was kind of famous. I was a hip hop star for a day. Did you see Paula in our basement Facebook group mm-hmm. after you asked the question, what rhymes with orange? Did you see somebody posted an Eminem thing where he's rhyming everything with orange? Or were you actually making that comment when you did you know oh. that when you made that comment? No, no, I, I didn't know that. Can you believe it was a pop culture reference? I didn't know. I know there's a whole, that's a shock, but there's a whole YouTube video about Eminem rhyming stuff with orange that really doesn't oh. rhyme with orange, by the way, but he does it anyway, because he's Eminem. <laughs> uh, I am very curious, by the way, about who Paula looks like. And and I've been thinking, but, but hold on. That means I'm not going to do it uh, yet. We're going to save that for the end. So, OG. I was listening to a singer who writes kind of some funny songs. His name is Matt Hoggett. And he, he actually rhymed paint with the word can't, but he's from, <laughs> he's from Mississippi down in Biloxi. And he says, paint and can't. Paint, yeah. 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 That's you good. You can't do that. It's paint and can't. That's awesome. Uh, well, I, I've always said that I look like Thor. It, yeah. In the new you movie. Know, and now, and now I really do based on the, uh, Actually, Thor looks like me, finally, based on the new... Uh, Paula has no idea what we're talking about now. Chris Helmsworth is his name, I think. Paula. Paula, do you know and, Chris Helmsworth? Uh, um, he's Liam Hemsworth's brother? He is. Is, yes, is he that is. right? Yes. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. And I think he is his brother. Yes. Okay. Anyways, I had one time, I think it's a little silly, but I was at a McDonald's. I was paying for something and the guy looked at me and he goes, what? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Hey, how's it going? And I'm just going, yeah, it's great. What's up? And this dude was just like over the moon and I couldn't, I had no idea what he was talking about. Like I couldn't, I I just thought that was his personality. 
you know, I was like, wow, a spunky McDonald's employee as I'm getting my egg McMuffin and coffee in the morning. And he's like, you're that guy from the, oh my God. Hey guys. And he's like waving people over and stuff like that. And, and I can't, I, I, I couldn't figure out what he was talking about. And then he finally said the movie and I don't remember what movie it was, but apparently it was a little Tom Cruise-ish. <laughs> wow. That's a long time ago. I also had fuller hair back then too. Do you know what I would totally do? I would tell everybody I'm riding with when we get out at the next McDonald's or wherever to go up to somebody and pretend you think they're Tom Cruise and have like everybody just lean into it. Speaking of lean in. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be funny. Yeah. So basically the body of Chris Helmsworth and the face of Tom Cruise. There, Tom there, Cruise. there it so. is. Yes. That's, that's what's underneath that uh, bag you wear. Uh, but all right, Paula, it's the moment of truth. Well, so first of all, um, I realize this is a podcast and nobody can actually see me, but I am Nepalese American, which is Nepal is located in South Asia, just north of India. And there are not many Indian people or South Asian people who are in the media. And so I get compared to every single one of them. So Mindy <laughs> Kaling, uh, Padma Lakshmi, Lily Singh, Nina Daviluri, like any famous Indian female, like you name it. People are like, wow, you're the same race. You must look alike. Uh, so that's what I get most frequently. And then I, there are two white women that I have been compared to. Uh, one is um, Blossom, like Mayam Blanick. Oh, her real name? Kind of, a little bit. <laughs> when, when she was younger, more than now. Yeah, yeah. I think Blossom back when she was Blossom. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's because of the, uh, like, I've got kind of a larger downturned nose, and and so does she, so I think the note, but uh, I don't know, yeah, that the general face, I don't know, I don't know what it is. The other person I've been compared to is Elaine on Seinfeld. Those are the two white women who I've, uh, <laughs> I've gotten. I can see Elaine. Yeah, I can see I, one. I think a lot of times your personality's like Elaine. That's what's like Elaine. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Personality-wise, my best friends refer to me as Kimmy Gibbler from Full House. <laughs> <laughs> you dance like Elaine Paula. Oh, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. I don't even know. Do you know that reference? No, I have no idea. She is, I just know assumed it. it was better than dancing like Kramer. Do, do not look it up. Do not look. Actually, <laughs> actually, that one you really need to look up. But wait until okay. I'm wait until I'm gone so I don't hear you scream before you look <laughs> okay. that up. All right. That's that's fantastic. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate take a look at all the military appreciation month offers and their usual offers navy federal our members are the mission navy federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender